be one of the first Australians to get a football master's degree and join GIS's global network of football leaders. Apply now to start in February 2023. Learn more at gis.sport/fnr. That's gis.sport/fnr. Victory looking to build. Barbarousas is quick. Is he in behind Topo Stanley? It doesn't matter. Costa Barbarousas. Wow. Unbelievable kick from Yes, Rail Bayena sends Melbourne City out of the Champions League without even appearing in the same group. Such is the convoluted process by which these things are determined. You've got to subtract the points of one against the bottom of the group team because there's only three and one. It's honestly, uh, it, it, you have to be Rain Man to work this out. But uh, officially now, Melbourne City have failed to progress as one of the best-placed second-placed teams in the AFC Champions League, and we will have no Australian representation once again in the knockout rounds. I'm Josh Parrish. I've got Jason Goldsmith here with me, and I think Australian football has every reason to be disappointed with this, but all I see is victory fans taking victory laps that two of their former uh, beloved sons in Kevin Musket and Raul Baena have conspired to knock out City. You did need an abacus to to work it out, um, absolutely. But I, I did enjoy the Mikey decline video that you found um, of Bayana. But the, a great goal and kitschy. Like it's actually, we take the Australian bias aside. A team from Hong Kong making it through to the round of sixteen is pretty amazing. And um, they were, I think, Melbourne City were home it, with, with eighty nine minutes. They were two kitschy with two one down, missing out, mm-hmm. and then the equaliser came deep into injury time. And, and there you go. Um, we called it as one of the easier groups in ACL history to progress. Melbourne City did not lose a game in, in their um, in the round robin here. Didn't lose one, but didn't get enough points. They dropped a couple of draws, a couple of Tom Glover mistakes, and unfortunately, they miss out. Yeah, um, look, Dayan Damjanovic. We spoke about him with Ryan Walters last time. Uh, such is his power. You know, he doesn't need to even face an Australian team to give us trouble once again. The uh, the AFC Ibrahimovic, as I like to call him. Yeah, but he's like he's what forty years old. Yep, he, amazing. And it, if you look at the the goal scoring records in in Korea, and he's played with a, a number of Korean clubs, he just continues to score. He just loves loves <laughs> loves to score, and he just. I think he's got a hat trick against Sydney FC a few years ago in this competition in uh, when in he was Sydney. In Korea. When, yep. Yeah, when he was playing for Suwon, and I thought we should have tried to roll out the marquee fund on the spot for the guy. Mm. <laughs> but I guess, you know, outside of Asia, he doesn't have huge name recognition and therefore Australia deemed him beneath their station. And now, you know, even at the age of, ripe old age of 40, he's still tearing it up. Um, and honestly, Kitschy had a tougher group than City did. They did, yeah. So that shows us that the coefficient rankings, such as they are, and yes, they've been affected by Australian teams withdrawing from the competition last time around due to COVID, I, I've seen a lot of whining about our coefficient and how we should be higher and how it's a joke that these South East Asian teams are ahead of us. I don't think it's a joke. I think it's a wake-up call. Not anymore, no. Hong Kong side and a Thailand team through to the round of 16 from the, the east side of Asia. It's um, a tremendous effort for those clubs those um, and those countries, you know, and we should be disappointed. Melbourne City should be disappointed. They talked about, you know, when the City Football Group uh, purchased Melbourne Heart that we're going to make it big in Asia. This is our... 
gateway into Asia to make a difference and uh, it hasn't happened as yet. Um, the way things are going, they should possibly qualify for next year is the way they're on track. But um, you're not gonna, as we said, you're not going to get a group that light um, in terms of opponents again. So they would have to do it the hard way. Maybe um, there won't be the hubs, fingers crossed, in the next uh, round of the, of the Champions League. We don't have any sort of COVID-affected hubs where they have to go through these six games in 17 days. They tried their best to rotate the squad, played a lot of the, the younger players in the team when they are playing the lesser um, opposition. But, you know, at the top, a couple of draws there that, uh, that, that really hurt them. In fairness, missing Florian Berengue was a massive blow for this competition. You know, I, I still think he's their best player and I think they're, they're an inferior side when it comes to breaking down defences without him. Like, he makes a huge difference. Yeah, it, it is. Look, that, that a couple of positives I can probably take away from it. They didn't lose at all. Three, three wins and three draws. And it may put Marco Tilio further into the shop window. He had a fairly decent uh, couple of weeks with some goals and some good performances for Melbourne City at his age, playing for the Socceroos, playing for the Oli Roos, his grand final. He might actually get an overseas gig, which would be great for Melbourne City and the league if that actually happens. So, mm. um, yeah, that might be one of the positives that comes out of this uh, this tournament. Sydney FC, they struggled all the way through. Um, mind you, in a tougher group than Melbourne City had. And even managed to lose and draw against uh, Huang An Jalai, the Vietnamese side, who were supposed to be the easy beats and turned out to be uh, not the case. The delighting, delightfully named Washington Brandau, consigning them to that defeat, one uh, nil in their last group game. But I think Sydney, after they were eliminated, pretty pretty checked out. Yeah, cue in the rack. Um, and the way things are going in the A League for them, they, I think that they're, they're maybe mathematically possible or might might not be. So I think that they might be done as well. So actually, I think they're still mathematically possible to make it. So they've got a couple of uh, games to go. What are they there? So we'll do quick maths. They're five points off sixth. So if results go their way and they win the next two, they could still sneak into the top six, but you would think that's not going to happen. They're already doing farewells for Bobo and that kind of thing. Well, we were supposed to, ta- to catch up with K-League United's Ryan Walters today. I've, uh, I've ordered him to, to take his day off in its entirety after working 20 straight during the group stages, but uh, I'm sure uh, we'll catch up with him here at the station a few weeks down the line. Uh, we've got BBC journalist Chris McLaughlin uh, on the rundown for today. He's a journalist over in Scotland and thought it was a good week to get him on in the wake of the old firm. Ange Postacoglu Celtic drawing that game, putting themselves in pole position for the league title. Wasn't the most convincing performance. I think Rangers were the better team, but they're also the team that had to win. So, Yeah, I think one thing Rangers will take from it, they spoiled the party, um, I guess, and, and delayed it for a little bit. Uh, we are talking to Lockie about it earlier. They'll possibly pick up three points at home against Hearts and, and take the title this weekend coming, which would be, again, an amazing effort. We all spoke about, you know, mm. And from the start to the finish to, to win that in his first season this is pretty impressive. We're also going to talk about Jacinta Galabatarachi, who has won Celtic Women's Player of the Season. Uh, it's not someone who's regularly come up on the Matildas' radar due to the leagues that she's played in being a little bit more off the beaten track when it comes to women's football. But uh, should she be in the frame here given was, the she, success she's had? So with Celtic's Player of the Season, but wasn't she also the Scottish... Um, uh, young player of the season as well, I believe. So, yes. Yeah, yeah. So it's two right. titles for her for her season. Absolutely, she should be. She's playing top level football in Europe. We need mm. to be looking at her. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's uh, significant 
home following they have as well, the Celtic women's team. So she's played in some big games in front of big crowds. Hasn't, yeah, hasn't always been a favourite of of national team coaches. And she's also got eligibility for other national teams, including Mm -hmm. Argentina, which she's spoken about, you know, her mother... Uh, has really strong roots there and is very uh, passionate about it and wants her to play for Argentina. So, you know, there's a bit of a common theme coming up on this tug show week war, to week, the war. international we need, tugs of war. We need a, a cap the Jacinta hashtag, like uh, the one we're getting in the men's game at the moment, <laughs> something something similar. And we're also looking forward to asking uh, Chris about Jason Cummings. We are. Uh, who continues his, uh, his fantastic form in the A-League. Uh, could he be the answer in this... This playoff in mid-year, that's the, that's the question. Well, we say mid-year, it's five weeks away. Mm, so it's true. Like seven, we're already seven, in mid-year. Oh, no, we are because having a look, there's, there's like 10 games of the A-League to go. So that's uh, by next Tuesday, that's wrapped up and we get into the finals. And then, yeah, 7th of June, UAE. So uh, it's, it's, it's going to be closer than, than we think. So we might need someone that's in form that plays deep into the finals, which the Mariners look like doing at the moment. So, big show coming up here on the Oz Football Hour. We're going to take a quick break. BBC journalist Chris McLaughlin to join us. We're also going to talk about the A-League in depth, of course. Another late winner from Central Coast Mariners prodigy Garang Kual to discuss amid much, much more. So, stay with us. Victory looking to build. Barbarousas is quick. Is he in behind top or Stanley? It doesn't matter! Costa Barbarousas! Wow! A lovely island called Havard. That's where Ante Milicic is off to. In no uncertain terms, he told the gathered journalists after MacArthur's latest defeat, this time 3-0 hammering at home to Newcastle Jets. He had no intention, no intention whatsoever of staying in football. He doesn't want to look at a laptop. He doesn't want to watch a game. He is checking out. We got the speculation so wrong last week. <laughs> we said, <laughs> not, oh, not for the first time. No, no, not at all. Well, I think we the Bruno Fornaroli one we want to, we want to keep hanging on to. But the... um. Yeah, we said he would be great in a role based in Europe, looking after whatever, scouting, whatever. But then he's come out and said he's spent, there's nothing left in the tank. And a brutally honest post-match interview, which was actually quite refreshing to hear, wasn't it? It was very funny. Like, he, he, he kept going longer than he needed to as well. Like, it was very funny like because it was definitely, like, needing to get something off his chest, yep. right? So <laughs> he kind of gave more than was asked. <laughs> he could have just said, no, I'm taking a break. But he was very emphatic and kind of quite upset. If you look at his coaching career, though, so he was at Melbourne Heart and then he helped establish the Wanderers. So when he helped establish the Wanderers with Tony Popovich, he was doing all the scouting, all the recruiting, set up the Wanderers. Then he went uh, with the Socceroos, but based in Croatia. Again, he's doing scouting, he's doing reports, he's doing watching uh, as many games as he can. He goes from the Socceroos into the Oliroos, into the young Socceroos. Then he gets brought into the Matildas after the Stadge um, mm-hmm. debacle issue, whatever you want to call it, when his Stadge got replaced. The he, Stadge affair. The Stadge affair. Okay, Stadgegate. <laughs> after Stadgegate, he gets at the Matildas gig. He gets offered that to extend it. He takes on MacArthur role, so he has to set up again. So, so within all of those roles, he's actually set up two clubs and two teams. So there's more than just anything else. You're actually 
got to look back at these players, do some background checks on these players, some extra scouting that would come about um, creating clubs. So um, no wonder he's tired. <laughs> I mean, anyone would be tired after having to listen to that every home game. And, and it makes sense when you look at the list. We think that those players are actually quite decent and they're out of the race. They're mm. not going to play in the finals. Um, first season, a great effort to sort of finish where they finished third. Yep. Uh, in the, you know, the, the last sort of playoff, didn't make the grand final, lost the uh, underman medals, Melbourne City. But a good effort then, but clearly running on empty, you know, COVID-affected season, it's, uh, it's taken its toll. We wish Ante all the best and, and what a place to relax. Do you think MacArthur have really performed up to expectations given the amount they're clearly spending on playing staff you know they've got a lot of high profile talent in there poaching Craig Noon and Ulysses Davila off the competition Apo Giano coming in mid-season Mariapa former Premier League defender in the ranks but they're they're quite rough to watch a lot of the time they have scored a few fantastic goals this season but their general standard of play has been pretty poor yeah it has um they had a great run at the start of the year. They're, of course, they scored some cracking goals at the at the start of the year. Even in the uh, um, over Christmas, coming back mm. in here, there were actually some some decent goals from Noon and Davila and Tommy Orr scored Tommy a couple Orr, of fantastic ones. So, like, if you look at the list, they're actually they should be doing quite well. But it's also a similar, I would think, to Sydney FC in terms of very older and experienced players that they've got there. They haven't really got sort of those younger ones coming through. They're kind of um, you know backing mm. backing the older, more mature players that have come around. And look, it's a pretty poor season for them finishing. Well, they're currently in seventh and they can't make the finals. So, yeah, you would actually have to put it down to um, pretty disappointing. And whether that's due to Ante not really having the motivation to get him up and about in the last couple of months, mm. who knows? Yeah, well, if, if your coach is in that kind of mood for any length of time, I think it'd be hard to... <laughs> yeah, well, you can't yeah, you can't hide it. I mean, it was... No, brut- you couldn't hide it in a press conference. No, He's not going to be hiding it in the dressing room. So. brutally honest, right? It was fine. but and, and we were thinking too, maybe a few extra headaches from the cowbells at home mm. games as well. He's, got a, he's, he's had a 12-month migraine. <laughs> <laughs> not helping. Was someone, was someone get the door? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, I, I also think the fact that they scored those banging banging goals is also a function of the fact that this team doesn't generate high-quality scoring opportunities very mm. often, so they do shoot from distance a ton. Yeah. And yeah. you see their shot counts and so forth, they're always really high, but they haven't scored that many goals this season, um, especially against good opposition. They've struggled to break them down. So I think that's, yeah, potentially a byproduct of them being, I guess, a low low percentage kind of team. Yeah, goal difference is, uh, was uh, not very good for them as well. So... You know, it's um, disappointing, but we'll, we will see. See what happens with MacArthur. They've got a new coach for next season and they'll have to do some recruiting and, and see where they go from there. be interesting to see. Absolutely. Uh, let's talk about the Mariners. Another late winner, this mm-hmm. time from Garan Quoll. Another very, Another very Im- goal. Yeah. A very impactful goal as well. Two weeks in a row he scored a, a late winner for the team. Firstly, in the F3 derby, that madcap game against the Newcastle Jets, one of the games of the season. And now this one, a much tighter game against Western United. Really impactful for the Mariners as they basically seal finals. But for Western United, it's one that consigns them to potentially also runs in the Premier's plate. Yeah, one that got away for Western United, really, because um, they had everything to play for. I mean, the Mariners still wanted to to make the, the finals, obviously, and, and looks like look like doing so. But Western United, yeah, you would have thought... They would have thrown everything at it because they had a chance for the Premier's plate, which looks to have 
Um, pass them by somewhat. So Mariners, a couple of games to go to play tonight, and then there's another F3 derby this Saturday coming up. So it's a, it's a decent where they've just uh, stacked the schedule, mm. the fixture to finish it all off. We've got uh, um, 10 games to go in the next uh, eight days. The Mariners, I really look forward to watching them these days. They were a little bit, uh, I guess... I would describe him as kind of a hard graft sort of team yep. to start the year. But after Jason Cummings has come in, he's changed He's changed the attacking output of this side considerably. He has. They changed the dynamic. But then you've got uh, Encololo and um, oh, who else am I thinking of? But you, they're just... Some of their foreign players have found form. As you say, Maresh, I think, has improved as the season's going on and he's been allowed to play more out wide. Renya, yep. he's a great player when he's got players around him to combine with. He's not sort of a guy who does his own thing, but no, he's a and, good team, and, you know, well, team player. What a great team player. I was going to talk about Urenia. When when Qual scored last week, Urenia had set up the pass. Mm. Urenia went over there and with the celebration was pretending to polish his left boot. Did you see that? It was, it was the, it's the wily <laughs> old great. veteran looking after the kid that's there. And they're like, um, you know, they know. They know. They're, they're on the track with him all the time. They know that this, this kid's got something special. Cummings has been great up forward. They've been great to watch. Young kids, we want them to play kids and see what yep. they can do. So it's been great. Well, the Mariners appointment viewing at the moment. Uh, let's go to another break because we've got Chris McLaughlin waiting for us on the other side from the BBC to talk about Ange Postacoglu, Celtic, Rogic, Dog, and, of course, Jacinta Galabatarachi as well. We'll join you on the other side. Victory looking to build. Barbarousas is quick. Is he in behind top or Stanley? It doesn't matter! Costa Barbarousas! Wow! We've had some absolutely classic Celtic Rangers games this season. All of Australia pretty much cheering for Ange Postacoglu, except those of a blue persuasion. This one, a 1-1 draw. Pretty tense match, but uh, it's one that leaves Celtic in pole position for the Scottish Premiership title. And we're delighted to have BBC Scotland's Chris McLaughlin joining us. Chris, how are you? Welcome back to FNR. Hi, guys. I'm good. How are you? We're doing great, mate. Uh, give us your view on the match, first of all, because, you know, Celtic flattered to deceive. They are perhaps second, guest in this one, second best in this one, I should say, with only uh, one shot on target. But uh, Rangers were the team that really needed to win, so I think Celtic will be happy with this. Yeah, I think that last part is probably key. Rangers... For them, a victory was absolutely huge. It was a must if they had any chance of of retaining the title. And I think, to be honest, they started like that. They started like a, a team who were desperate to um, to win. They looked sharper. They looked faster. They looked hungrier. Um, and yeah, I think for the first maybe 20 minutes, it was all Rangers. Um, and then Celtic started to grow into the game. They got the goal. Um, that seemed to give them confidence. It knocked Rangers a bit. But then, slowly but surely, Rangers come back into it. They get the equaliser. And then, for the last 20 minutes, Celtic absolutely on the ropes. Um, Fashion Sakala hit the post. Um, Joe Hart was forced into I think, a couple of really good saves. And yeah, Celtic really hung on. Listen, they really needed that point. And I think most Celtic fans would have taken a point before the game. So the point suited Celtic better than Rangers, but I think Celtic really got away with one, to be honest. 
Is it a big missed opportunity, though, for Celtic in the history of this rivalry, given that they, they kind of blew the chance to win it against Rangers? Yeah, I, I think it is. And not only that, you know how important the bragging rights are here in this city, right? Mm-hmm. So I think given the fact that, that Rangers had defeated Celtic in the semi-final of the, of the Scottish Cup, I think Celtic fans wanted revenge, you know? I think they wanted to make sure, as you say, they got the revenge by clinching the title, um, at Celtic Park um, by beating the rivals. And, I, and as much as the Celtic fans will say, look, we would have taken a, a point before, I think, right, I think there was a, a huge opportunity missed. Not only that, I think that there's some people who are starting to say that maybe Giovanni, Giovanni Van Bronckhurst, the Rangers manager, is starting to get Ange Postecoglou's number a little bit, maybe. Okay. Um, so I think that, that the Celtic fans, for that reason as well, would like to have seen a victory. Um, just on Ange's um, managing uh, managing of Celtic this season. Now, with three games to go, it's safe to assume that we, we we pretty much think that they're going to take the title. Now, from an outsider looking in, um, people say, well, it's always Rangers or Celtic that win the title. How big an achievement is it for Ange to do so in his first season, really? It's huge. Listen, it's huge. I was talking to a colleague yesterday and, and we were talking about the run-in and, and, and what's left to do. And, and, and he said, look, it's actually amazing to think back to where Celtic were last season when Ange Postecoglou came in. You know, they were so far behind Rangers. Um, I don't think any pundit was giving Celtic a chance this season. When Ange Postecoglou came in, look, we've spoken about that, guys, before, haven't we, about the fact that eyebrows were raised here in Scotland, who is this guy and, you know, why hasn't he managed and a bigger team before coming here and, and, and all sorts of things. But it's huge. I mean, it's it's absolutely huge. I think it's something like a 13-point swing um, overall from from, from uh, the start of the season as well. So, yeah, it's it's you can't underestimate just what a huge job he has done. Not only that, the feel-good factor that he has brought to a club that was on its knees. Um, yeah, massive. He's also been crowned manager of the year as well. So, you know, this, I guess, is the time for all of the Australians to come out of the woodwork again and and bring up all all the sceptical UK pundits who couldn't pronounce his surname (laughs) and thought he was was a joke appointment and so forth. I mean, Ange, I don't think he's going to do that because, you know, he loves proving people wrong. That's kind of... That's a bit of the, the job that he actually enjoys. But Australian football fans are uh, feeling quite vindicated right now, I suspect. Listen, you guys have every right to sit and watch us all eating humble pie here. <laughs> Trust me. Um, I think you you would struggle to find someone who wasn't slightly sceptical. And listen, by the way, I, I include myself in that. Um, it, it, I wasn't one of those who was disparaging about where he had been. I've, I've watched a bit of the J League before. I know it's very good, um, but I did I did wonder where Celtic had, had had found him so quickly after Eddie Howe had turned him down. Um, and, I, and I think most people were sceptical, but listen, no one, no one, I don't even think, including Ange Postecoglou himself, could have predicted uh, just how well it was going to go. Um, so, yeah, it's been a fairy tale for him. There's no doubt it's been an absolute fairy tale. In terms, in the eyes of the Celtic fans right now, Ange Postecoglou can do no wrong. 
Tommy, Tommy Rogic, uh, another Australian, got goal of the season I saw uh, announced this week as well. And his form this season has been um, quite fantastic. Outside of the new players he's brought in, what has he done uh, in terms of turning around the existing uh, Celtic players that weren't quite up to scratch last season, Chris? Yeah, Rogic is actually a good example of that, to be honest. Um, he was actually nominated for, for Player of the Year this year. Um, and he... We've seen the Tommy Rogic this season that we know is there. If you guys know what I mean by that, you know we know how good a player Rogic is, and and Postecoglou has brought that out of him again. And he's done the same for other players. He's given them confidence. Um, he seems, from what I've I've heard from the players, to be very good on a on a one to one level in a man management sense. Um so there's players like Forrest who hasn't played that much this year, but he has come back um after having a poor season last year. Guys like Callum McGregor, the the, the Celtic captain. Um even when the likes of Starfelt and Vickers came in, they were really unsettled for a while in the back. And he's managed to calm them down and turn them into a really solid uh central pairing at the back of the, of the defence. So yeah, I don't know what he's got. I don't know how he does it, but he does it pretty well. And um, his his family have become George Michael fans because of the chant they've managed to squeeze in with his <laughs> with his surname. I understand, um, which is a fairly good effort from their fans. Um, given him <laughs> <laughs> with that one. Yeah, um, there's there's a, quite a few Postecoglou songs actually, and, and to be fair to him, he recognises it. He recognises the. Um, the love the Celtic fans have for him, and after every game, um, he makes his players go over, and and you know he's always last there in front of them, beating his chest. So he's uh, he gets it. Let's say that he gets it. He seems to be having fun here. I think he uh, is. He, the weather, yeah, so. he did an interview on Australian TV last weekend where he actually said, "This is the passion that Australians have for other sports. We seem to, which mm. he always wanted it for football. So that's why he's actually absolutely reveling in it." Yeah, I get that. I mean, I, I do get that. The, the the passion in this city, especially for football, is uh, I would like to show me a city that has more passion for football, and I'll show you a liar. I think it's um, it's yeah, he's it, it seems to be. I think we've said this before. It's really is a marriage made in heaven. Actually, to be honest, um, he's exactly what he needed. Or Celtic are, are exactly what he needed, and I think he's exactly what Celtic needed. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it how it plays out further. He actually said in the same interview that um, he goes he goes. Mate, I opened the door yesterday and Rod Stewart came in and gave me a hug. So that's... <laughs> <laughs> so that's <laughs> so I'm not sure it. everyone would accept that as the, uh, <laughs> as the most amazing thing, but yeah, I'm sure Rod Stewart found <laughs> There you go. So let's talk about the other side of Glasgow. Obviously rocked by their managerial change and Steven Gerrard's departure along with most of his backroom team uh, mid-season. But Giovanni Van Bronckhurst coming in, what's the verdict on, on the job he's done so far? Uh, if you'd asked me that question uh, a few weeks ago, uh, I would have told you that the Rangers fans would say shaky, unconvincing. Um, now, I think pretty much to a man they're behind him, um, and a lot of that has been down to their their success in Europe. Rangers have had this success in Europe for a few years now that no one can really understand because sometimes in domestic competition they struggle and then when the big teams in Europe come around they, they, dis- they dispose of them. Um, Borussia Dortmund being a, a perfect example. Um, they went through Borussia Dortmund like they weren't there. 
um, they now find themselves in a semi-final of of a of a, of the Europa League um, with a decent chance. They're one 0 down to RB Leipzig in the game on Thursday at home, and I, I fancy their chances. I think most people do. Ibrox under the lights in a European night is difficult to beat, um, and Van Dronckhorst takes the um, takes the credit for that. He's he's turned into a solid tactical manager. As I said earlier on, I think there is some fears that perhaps he's got the he's got the measure of Postecoglou tactically. I'm not convinced, but some people think maybe he has. Um, and yeah, listen, he's been around um, Van Dronckhurst. He's been around some amazing coaches and some amazing teams. So it's not surprising that he's got something tactically and and that uh, he's doing pretty well in his in his managerial career. Let's talk about Jacinta Galabatarachi. Uh, easy for you to say, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> but uh, the Australian women's player over at Celtic, well, we call her Australian. She might yet play for the Argentine national team if uh, if her mum gets her way. But uh, she's been awarded Young Player of the Season and Celtic Player of the Season. I don't know how across you are the, the women's side of football, uh, Chris, but uh, what's she been like? Yeah, it's, it's, it's growing here, um, all the time. I mean, it's not growing to the same extent as it is in England, perhaps, but it is growing, and, and they've just actually signed a deal to uh, come under the governorship of the SPFL. So it will be interesting to see how that how that plays out. And you're right, and she in particular has has lit up the game here. I've, I have seen a couple of games. She's very good. She's only twenty years old. Um, very, uh, very, very good on the ball. She's got a great touch. Um, and I heard her saying that she um, she was she's got some Postecoglou connection through her brother. I think her brother was was um, coached by Ange Postecoglou back in Victoria or something. I think she said. Anyway, she's um, she's a good player. Uh, she's part of a Celtic team who are doing very well, and part of a women's uh, setup in general here in Scotland that seems to be on the rise. And it's going to be really, really. I'm really keen to follow that journey actually to see where it goes. Um, because I think more and more people now are beginning to turn their heads to it. Whereas, to be honest, there was a lot of scepticism, historical scepticism towards women's football, and I think that's slowly being eroded, and she's part of that. I wonder if her brother was in that Moore and Zebras team that uh, Ange got relegated. That's yes. a little, that's yeah, the yeah. forgotten part of yes. Ange Postecoglou's coaching <laughs> story, career. Yeah, that sort of ten yeah. game stretch in a very like very obscure semi professional <laughs> Victorian <laughs> league where he got relegated. But uh, everyone everyone leaves that out of the CV. I don't think he's probably been deleted hmm. from his Wikipedia page. <laughs> but uh, come up against Hearts in the next game. Uh, are you confident they'll uh, they'll wrap it up then and there? And um, keep in mind we've got a Hearts supporter as our producer tonight, so uh, you know don't be too harsh on him. I don't know. I mean, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't put my house on it. Um, to be honest, uh, Celtic know what they need to do, um, but they have been a little bit shaky of late. I don't know if it's just nerves as to where they are, or just you know seeing the finishing line in sight has, has made them a little bit nervous. Hearts are hey, Hearts are a good team. They are a good team. They're such an improved team this season under Robbie Nielsen, and um, and even though Hearts don't really have anything to play for. Um, I would expect them to put up a good game against Celtic, and no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say I was really confident that Celtic will do it. Um, but hey, listen, they know that they're um, they're one they're one win away, so it's it's an amazing incentive, isn't it? 
Let's talk about Jason Cummings. We asked you about him last time you're on the show. He has absolutely lit up the A-League, you have to tell you. Very positive reporting back on, on Jason Cummings and his exploits with the Central Coast Mariners. He's had fantastic attitude. He's enjoying life on the, uh, on the Central Coast, uh, driving around in his, his old combi van and uh, having a great old time, I think. So, uh, you know, the, the calls are growing. Himself? Uh, it seems to be. Seems all, to be. Yeah, all all of the reports are he's behaving himself on wow. the pitch, and he's just going to the beach and driving his combi van around off the pitch. So. And seemingly fit well, fit enough to to thrive in the A League anyway. And the calls are growing. The chorus is growing for uh, Jason Cummings to be capped by the Socceroos for our World Cup playoff. <laughs> well, maybe all of Jason Cummings needed here in Scotland was a beach, some sunshine, <laughs> and a combi van, and that, that's clearly what was missing. Um, listen, I'm delighted to hear that. Honestly, I'm, he's a good guy. He's, he's, um, he's, as I said before, he's unique. There is definitely a cracking football player in there. He just needed to knuckle down. He needed to knuckle down and 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 um, and take it seriously. And I don't. I think there are quite a few managers that that I know who have had him in their dressing room, were just pulling their hair out because they said that this is such a talented boy. Um, but he wouldn't knuckle down. So I'm really, really happy to know and to hear that things are going well for him there and uh, long may that continue well, with his combi van and his beach well, he's, he's, exploits. He's coming third in the golden boot. He's had 17 games. He's scored nine goals, but more importantly for, for Australian fans watching, five assists as well. He seems to be adding that extra dimension up front, which we may use because we have a couple of knockout qualifiers and we don't really have a set striker or a striking option at the moment. So... There's a, a month to go, he, and the Mariners are moving into the final, so he'll have a few more games to prove himself. He doesn't. Um, he doesn't lack confidence, Jason, and I don't mean that in a bad way, right? Don't 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 get me wrong. He's he, he's full of confidence. I have this memory of him um, trying a Penenka. I think it was in a <laughs> cup final or a semi cup semi uh, final, and he, he hit the bar. <laughs> no, in fact, he went over the bar. Um, and I spoke. I was interviewing him afterwards, and he just shrugged his shoulders. I mean, Ray, Hibbs, who he, is, he was playing for at the time, won the game, but it was terrible to watch. Honestly, <laughs> it was such a terrible thing. Panenka in a final missed it. Well, maybe, um, maybe we'll keep him fine. off penalties if he plays for the soccer. I would. Then. He's actually missed. Yeah. The, he's missed a pen this season for us, well, for the Mariners as well. So yes, yeah. it was. He did have one saved. It yeah. wasn't a Panenka though. Uh, <laughs> is this a fair trade? Is this a fair trade? Lyndon Dykes for for Jason Cummings. Are you happy with that? Uh, do you know what? Yeah, probably would take that. I probably would take that. Yeah, Linda Dykes has done very well for himself. He can't stop scoring for Scotland uh, when he's fit. So we need all of the help we can get to beat Ukraine and um, and then hopefully Wales to get to the World Cup for the first time since 1998. So, yeah, we'll take Dykes. We can have Cummings. How's the uh, Scottish public feeling about this this qualifier, by the way? Oh, it's so weird, isn't it? Such a weird one because we're desperate to win, but we know that the whole of the world <laughs> is going to want Ukraine to beat us um, for very obvious reasons and for very um, good reasons. But, yeah, it's such a strange feeling because, you know, it's huge. It's a huge game. I think there's there's confidence uh, given where Scotland are at the moment. They're doing very well. Um we just don't know what kind of Ukraine team is going to appear and what kind of shape they're going to be in. Um, I know they are playing friendlies in various European countries at the moment. Um, so, yeah, listen, let's just hope they get here and, and, and can play football. I think that's what everyone wants.
Absolutely. Uh, well, Chris, thank you so much for giving us your time. And I'm pl- proud to announce that the uh, Scotland-Australia Trade Summit has been successful. Lyndon Dykes for Jason <laughs> Cummings. We'll shake hands on that deal, mate. That's our headline today. Thanks, guys. <laughs> BBC's you, Chris. Chris McLaughlin joining us. We're going to take a short break here on the Oz Football. More coming on the A-League on the other side. Victory looking to build. Barbarousas is quick. Is he in behind top or Stanley? It doesn't matter! Costa Barbarousas! Wow! And Diamante again! Oh, he's done it! Unbelievable kick from here. We are delighted to have the Global Institute of Sport back on board here at FNRGIS, the largest provider of sports degrees in the UK, has expanded to Australian shores and uh, you get unique access to the MCG while you're learning online. If you sign up for one of their football master's degrees, not only are they offering their master's of football business, uh, but next year they'll be offering football coaching and analysis as a master's as well. So head on over to gis.sport slash FNR to find out more and kickstart your career in the football industry. Let's talk A-League. Delighted to have Chris McLaughlin on the show earlier. Central Coast Mariners seem to have uh, locked up finals football, but also look a a genuine threat when it comes to uh, these matches. I, I really think if there's one team, you know, in that, four to six range is going to go on a run and do something in this final series. I think it might be Central Coast. It looks that way. I mean, they've got the, like I said, they've got the excitement and the talent there that could actually provide that spark coming through. So um, 10 games to go, eight days to go. We can really, by this time next week, we'll pretty much know who's who in uh, in terms of playing each other in the finals. Mariners, yes, probably the smoky, but still, I guess we'll see how City come back from... Uh, from their trip to Asia and, and see how it goes for them and what kind of form they've got a couple of games to go. Talking of sides who won't be participating in the finals, uh, Perth Glory won, Western Sydney Wanderers won. But the only notable thing about this game, Daniel Sturridge making his A-League return, which I did not expect to see. I was really surprised that he even played at all. His first start. Yep. His first start. So um, <laughs> this is, I guess this is what they envisaged when they signed him. The box office Saturday night game where Sturridge comes on and everyone, all the eyeballs are on him. I mean, I watched it with some interest because of uh, because of see what he can do. And he's like not quite the assist for the first goal from Bruno Fornaroli, but he was sort of moving his hips and moving his shoulders around mm. and and setting the ball up, and then uh, disappeared again at halftime. So yes, I'm sure this is what they meant. Uh, playing home games in front of almost nobody in pouring rain against an irrelevant team on the, while they're on the bottom of the table. No, 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 no you know what I mean. They won't mean it's a Saturday night factor. And yeah. Anyway, they play Melbourne City on uh, Wednesday night. So, again, he's supposed to be playing that game too, which is Perth Glory's last home game um, and Melbourne City's chance to wrap up the Premier's plate too. So you know, Wouldn't it be funny if Daniel Sturridge, after the non-season that he's had, actually had like a major impact on the Premier's plate race? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it is their final game of the season. It's Perth Glory's final game of the season. So imagine if, if Sturridge scores, scores a brace, <laughs> City miss outs. It would be very, very, very – it would be peak A-League stuff, wouldn't it? It would be it, great, great to watch. Genuinely peak A-League. Uh, City coming back from Asian Champions League empty-handed, but they're still top of the table with a game in hand on Melbourne victory and a point advantage. Western United have the same games played, but they are now two points behind – or still two points behind, I should say, after their loss to Central Coast. So their destiny is no longer in their hands. And 
you know, it looks like City have a pretty clear run at this with uh, only Perth and Wellington standing in their way and the Wellington game's at home. Yeah, it is um, uh, on, on a Monday night. But the, the, the Phoenix might be in, uh, in the mix for the finals too. So it'll be interesting to see how they go. One thing we didn't mention, Andy Keogh finished up at Perth Glory uh, last Saturday night as well, his final final game as a, as a footballer or in the A-League. So um, it's probably the yeah, a couple of different A-League careers. His first stint was magnificent. His second stint, not so not mm. as great. Uh, so he did to- score four goals that time last season on his birthday. So. Well, that's right. Well, he did. <laughs> Um, similar to uh, another uh, a big A-League player retiring this week in that uh, Bobo is going to finish up at Sydney FC against Melbourne Victory, actually, in a big blue on another Saturday night game. Yeah, Bobo, I think it's looked like it was over for a little while now. I think last stint that he had at the club, I'm not quite sure how wise a signing it was to bring him back in. No, I th- I th- pretty poor, actually, because he was just coming off the bench and his impact, he, he looked he looked old. Like he did. Like he still got mm. some, some touch, but he just looked past it. But the testimonials coming out for him from fellow players and supporters and members of the backroom team, things about his professionalism and, you know, how inspiring a figure he was in the locker room when they were down 1-0 in a grand final, et cetera, and so on, was mm. nice to see. He became, you know, they've really adopted him. And, uh, you know, he goes down as one of the A-League's best ever strikers. You know, with his goal scoring record, he did. Well, he has the the record for most in a season. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was it, it beats Fornaroli's one at Melbourne City, but I, I think he took Bobo took the penalties. Fornaroli didn't. If you want to sort of right. pick, um, split hairs over it, but yeah, almost a hundred games for Sydney FC and 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 plenty of goals and plenty of highlights. Three year gap in between his two stints makes a difference to the player that we did have when he came versus the player that we've got now. But still need to applaud his career because it, uh, it was he, – he's been one of the highlight packages for, for, the, for the domestic game. And also, you know, him telling somebody on Facebook uh, to shut up a white ass has got to be one of the uh, funniest retorts by a player on social media ever. So <laughs> only uncovered because someone went to Wikipedia and looked up his actual name and not, you know, <laughs> could, could find it. Yes, it, do, it does make me cringe when uh, everyone at Sydney seems to call him Aussie Bob. Which I mm. come on, guys, you can we, do better than that. I think we finished that with um with Gus Hinnink, and I think and then Bert Van Marwick just sort of put that to bed pretty quickly that we can stop doing using that. So. Ugh. But anyway, Bobo. Uh, happy retirement to him. Uh, he walks off into the sunset. One of the A-League's greatest ever strikers. Uh, let's talk about Adelaide United 2, Brisbane Raw nil. Brisbane continuing their very, very disappointing season, uh, but Adelaide securing a finals berth with this one. Goals from George Blackwood and Hiroki Ibasuki, both headers off crosses or set pieces. Yeah, this Adelaide United side, for all their much-vaunted young talent, uh, plan A seems to be get the ball out to Craig Goodwin and swing it into the box for a big man. Absolutely. Well, well Craig Goodwin's probably had the probably been the player of the season, though, if we want to we want to get down to it. He'll be close to winning the Johnny Warren medal. Really? Would, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, in terms of scoring goals and putting and crossing the ball in and and making a massive impact when they win. Um, and he was probably the, the form player for the Socceroos leading into um, – the Vietnam game in Melbourne prior to and missed the Sydney game with with COVID. So like he was an important cog for us. So he, he still should have an impact, and it's probably good for the national team that, that mm. Adelaide go deeper. We talked before, so the season's done next week, which will be like the early May, and then one month later is the the knockout game against the UAE is the seventh of June. So we kind of want Adelaide to go deeper. We want Melbourne City to go deeper. We want um, we want all the ones with the Socceroos in them to actually push and push deeper and Jason Cummings as well. So 
yeah, if we can. But they, they wrapped up that game fairly fairly comfortably and, and, and Raw are just, just, you know, they're playing playing for the end of the season now. Is it possible to give the Johnny Warren to a team from very low on the table? Because I think Becca Mikkel, Tadze and Daniel Pena both have like fairly convincing cases given yeah, how integral Mikkel Tadze has been not only with his goal scoring but his all-round play and Pena with 11 assists, which is be up there. an incredible and, total. Yeah, and Florin Berenguer as well before his injury too to sure. see how he goes through this season too so yeah i would yeah i think goodwin but we'll see goodwin as you say is up there in both you know obvious statistical categories equal third for goals on nine and seven assists as well so that's like that's pretty outstanding Mm. you know obviously he takes penalties and free kicks and so forth um so and a lot of those assists will have come off corners and so and things like that but still you still got to take him well and deliver the ball and he's He's probably the league's best crosser of the ball. So, Well, you would say the tactics are to cross it to Ibasuki unit to, to nod it in, and then if, when all else fails, just chuck the kids on in the last 10 minutes and see what they can pinch. That's that's <laughs> pretty much it. That is it. It's worked, for, it's worked for them. They're going to be in the finals. So, it is, It does frustrate me because I just think this team can be more. It, I, I do wonder if the handbrake was, was taken off, what a coach like Arthur Pappas could do with this yeah. level of talent. You know what? They're, 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 at the moment, they're fourth. They can't actually finish higher, so they can't go over mm. third. So at the moment, they'll need to get a point or two in their f- actually. Well, they've outperformed my expectations. To be fair, they were they're higher in the table than I had them at the start of the season. I had them just on the edge of the finals, I think, or just outside. Okay, so if the Mariners win the next two, they can. They've got the F three derby, and they're playing. They're playing the Raw tonight, I think. So the Mariners will actually jump into fourth, which gives them a home final, mm. doesn't it? So it's third, sixth, fourth, fifth. Yes. So, yeah. So, um, Adelaide might drop to fifth. So, might be seeing the Mariners take on Adelaide in the first time. I think that's going to be a good game. It'd be great. Great to watch. I I think Adelaide, when they're the team that has the ball, like in this Brisbane game, they're the team that, you know, had to take the initiative because they were the team that had to win uh, and Brisbane have very little left to play for. They can be really hard to watch. But Mm. when they're the sort of the reactive team and they're playing on the counter-attack and the other team has has possession, which could be the case with the Mariners. I think it's, it's usually a better spectacle at that. So, uh, yeah, that could be could be a matchup to to watch in the finals. Uh, we haven't talked about Melbourne Victory three, Wellington Phoenix one. Uh, so we, so much VAR in this game. So so much VAR. Sydney Sydney weather and too much VAR. <laughs> um, yeah, wet. And um, yeah, the goal. Where, where is underselling it for people outside of Victoria? By the way, I, I drove. I was driving to an MPL game that night, and my car was floating up the freeway. So yeah, it, it definitely came down, didn't it? Um, look, yeah, that that VAR decision was um, the correct call, but it took seven minutes. Mm. Like that's way too long, <laughs> and seven minutes, and no one at the ground gets to know what what's happening or, or what's going on. So they looked at one incident, and then they pulled it back to another incident, and then pulled it back to the other. And it's like, how far back do you go technically? What's the what's the rules? So eventually it was the handball decision. It was like that Tom Cruise scene in uh, Minority Report where he's going through what's going to happen or what would have happened and so forth. With <laughs> I don't know if that reference tracks, but not for me. It's very it's okay, movie. yeah. <laughs> but it, I, I'm just saying it was, it was like quite an involved process to get to that point of yes, this is a foul, so the goal doesn't count, but the handball was before the foul, so we, in fact, we disallow a goal and then get allow the same team who just scored to take a penalty. Is like quite a hard thing to wrap your head around as a supporter at the game who's not getting the. 
commentary at home. Correct. Well, the, the comments, I think it was Hill and Harper, and they, they spoke mm. through it um, quite well and, and knowledgeable to actually explain what's happening. Well, if it's if it's not a goal, we have to go back. That's definitely a foul. But actually, it might be a handball. And by the time they go back and, you know, and do the <laughs> rock and rolling the footage to go back and forth for the for the ref to see, it's too much. They should have pulled it back straight away. If the handball's a handball, they should be able to pick that up. And shouldn't an independent... They want to have VAR. Shouldn't someone else be t- making that decision rather than the on-field ref? I, I just think VAR is imperfectible. I, I, that's what I think. I, I just think you're always going to – football is too complicated and too fluid mm. to have a streamlined process for this. Well, that's it. Because like, if they go back seven minutes to make a decision, they go back three different incidents. Like why can't they keep going back to another incident to another incident and all the way through? And the, the upshot of all of that nonsense was victory scored a goal anyway. Yeah, that's right. Which could have could have changed. It could have been saved, yes. But like, it's just so much work for such little impact. And I I I do wonder whether fans are going to start turning off when the, these these VAR checks come up and you know Paramount Plus starts rolling ads because it's taking so start long. To the streaming service. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like you know. It, it, it frustrates me and Australia obviously wants to be a leader in, in football and, you know, we were one of the first guinea pigs for this and so forth. I, I think if Australia wants to be a pioneer in the football space, we should be the first to, to have it had fit. it yeah. and abolish it. Yeah, maybe. Maybe we'll be the first ones to say hey, we don't need it anymore, we don't mm. want it. Um, the form of Rojas, though, that was that's an interesting one. He should be in all-whites contention because, um, you know, we're likely to be either following – New Zealand in the World Cup, following our neighbours, perhaps the way things are tracking. Mm. So, um, it would be good to have him in the in the in the mix. That was a magnificent goal, by the way, mm. from Victory. Like they, they haven't been incredibly successful playing out through pressure this season. They've tend to go more direct when when they've been under pressure. But I think this is a sign of development. The fact that they were able to play all the way from their own corner corner flag, essentially through the Wellington Phoenix press. Um, on a totally connected string of passes and then crossing it in for Rojas to score you know, an open header was a beautiful sequence and some of the best football that Victory's put together this year. And the poor Phoenix are going to limp into sixth position, I think, with a goal difference at the moment of, of negative mm. 15 and they just probably want to go home. They want to go home. They'll be clearly making up the numbers. I think six is, six is too many for the finals. Mm. Different conversation. So we're re- rewarding half of the teams in the A-League. Phoenix probably want to go home. They're going to limp into sixth and play one of the Melbourne teams, uh, Victory or United, I think, in the first final. I think Ufuktale has, has demonstrated some flexibility changing the system at this point, which we haven't seen from him before. You know, he's always followed the Sydney FC coaching blueprint mm. in that regard but they just don't have a midfield at the moment no Rufa, no Clayton Lewis Sandoval's had to drop back into positions that he usually wouldn't be comfortable taking up Nicholas Pennington I I just don't see it I don't see I don't think he's an A-league player I, I, think, I, look, I hate to you know no no no, no. he's criticized a young guy but you know Aussie passport that's the only reason they got mm. they've got him out really because he's Italian born and, and the rest yeah. of it so with that Australian passport and that link that's why you know it's kind of a free hit really isn't it I guess but you know? he just doesn't he doesn't look up to scratch to me um you know I, I didn't think he was good when he's uh, involved with the Ollie Roos briefly and I I I don't see it in, in senior football either but as you say Wellington kind of limping limping to the finish line at this point and I mean, yes, they've pulled off some upsets this season, but they they just look like a, a middling first out, you know, first round out final side to me. And someone's someone a lot wiser than me said, if you look at the goal difference more than you look at the points to make a make a really good mm. judgment call on that table, and um, 
Yeah, I mean, Sydney could still replace – if they displace them, if they, they lose the next two and Sydney win the next two, it changes things <laughs> significantly. But anyway. Talking about potential first-round finals matchups, is Western United-Wellington still a rivalry? Does that still exist or it does it not anymore because Mark Rodan's gone to Wanderers what's, what was the What was the rivalry? Well, Just they stole yeah. a few of their players yeah, and yeah, so yeah, forth yeah, with Rodan yeah, leaving. A, yeah, with Rodan. I wouldn't have thought so now. And so you reckon it's uh, moved on. It's iced now with with Rudan no no longer involved. Yeah, I don't I don't think so. No, all right. Yeah. We we can't we, we can't, can't spice up. it up. You can try and spice it up. I can't think. We don't think we can. I, I don't have a catchy name yeah. for it either. There's not yeah. really any direct connection between the west of Melbourne and Wellington. Can't go distant style beyond that one. No. So, anyway, I think that'll be all from us uh, for today. But Jason, we've got a couple of Aussies to watch in Europe as uh, as the UK season heads to its conclusion. Yeah. Um. So some promotion in the the championships. So Riley McGree's scored the last couple of games, and mm. Middlesbrough are in a chance to make the playoffs. Um, Bailey Wright for Sunderland in League One look like making the playoffs as well, which is a big chance for them to get promoted. Sunderland are a big club. That would be a good news story for them to push it back up. And um, in League Two, Swindon Town, who has, I think, Jordan Lydon on their books as an Aussie, but they've got an Australian owner in Clem Morfuni, which is an amazing story. They're basically bankrupt and his whole um, goal for this season was to avoid relegation and they might be pushing for League One, which would be a great story. Maybe we'll have to get David Squires on sometime to talk about Swindon Town. He's a he's a, oh, he's a massive big Swindon, Robins yeah. fan. And a very, very funny man. It would yeah. be great to, to talk to, I reckon. Yeah, we'll keep an eye on that one. And uh, good luck to, to Ryan McGree and, and Bailey Wright. Did you see Jay Rich Bagaloo scoring a banger, Jason? <laughs> I did, actually. I Maybe did Arnie was on to something. But, yeah, but they were kicking it long for him to nod it in, right? So That's there true. He was. So he was at the wrong part, side of the ground. But what a good We should goal. have been playing him in holding midfield so he could have had a crack from 30 <laughs> uh, metres. Not at six foot six. <laughs> <laughs> that was, if you haven't seen the Jay Rich Bagaloo goal, search Twitter for it or, or YouTube and, and bring it up because it is an absolute thunderbolt. That'll be all on the Oz Football Hour. We'll speak to you again soon. Victory looking to build. Barbarousas is quick. Is he in behind top or Stanley? It doesn't matter! Costa Barbarousas! Wow! Yeah! Like a salmon, a spawning salmon. And Diamante again! Oh, he's done it! Unbelievable kick. Come on here.